Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, and I'm pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We are glad you're with us and all of you here with us today, including Don Robinson, uh, who watches quite frequently. We're glad we welcome you. We pray that this word today will speak to you and that you'll be touched by God's power and his presence and grace. And I just believe that to be so, because we know that God said, if you Jesus said, if you only believe, you'll see my glory. And I do believe that. I believe we're we're actually going to see the glory of God and, and our eyes of our hearts would be open, enlightened to be able to see the glory of God all around us each and every day and to walk in that glory because people need the Lord. So today, whatever your need is, I want to encourage you to uh, uh, place it at the feet of Jesus. Pray, ask God. Uh, it begins asking and he obviously wants us to ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And I just believe today that prayers are going to be answered. They've been being answered here at Lighthouse Fellowship as we see healing taking place. Uh, we're obviously studying about deliverance. Jesus came to set the captive free, wants us to be free, to walk in that freedom, to know that we're forgiven of our sins completely, past, present, and future. And that's a wonderful blessing of our Lord, the grace of God, and how wonderful it operates in our lives. So I pray for you today. So let's pray together as we begin this message. Father, thank you for this time together and the privilege of that we have of coming together. These here in the congregation and those who are watching on live streaming or maybe will watch this particular segment later on. We just pray, Father, you would touch and speak to each person. That each person would be <clears throat> truly, uh, their hearts would come alive, Lord. And the reality that there is a God who loves them. And that you sent Jesus into the world to die for our sins. And whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We pray today, Father, that people would be healed, people in need of healing. We pray for those that are still affected by the COVID. And, Father, you would heal them and bring them through this very quickly. We pray for protection for our lives and also all people all around us, people of this country and around the world, dear Lord. We pray that you would cover them in the blood of Jesus. And, dear God, they would be protected and they would walk in the freedom that Jesus certainly came for. We bless you today, Father. Now, you speak. And let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power. We'll exalt you and praise you. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We ask you to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to John chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 14 through 43. And we're going to look at conditions to knowing God. The conditions to knowing God. There are some conditions. And these things are very important. Uh, if you have not accepted Jesus at this point, and even as you're walking and wanting to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's some conditions. I want to share with you some things that God lays out through his word. In verse 14, beginning with John chapter 7, not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? And Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You de you're demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? And Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, 
and and you are all astonished yet because Moses gave you circumcision though actually it did not come from Moses but from the patriarchs you circumcise a child on the Sabbath now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment and at that point some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask isn't this the man they're trying to kill here he is speaking publicly and they're not saying a word to him have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ but we know where this man is from when the Christ comes no one will know where he is from and then Jesus still teaching in the temple courts cried out yes you know me and you know where I am from I'm not I am not him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me at this. They cried, exceeds him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not come. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him. They said, when the Christ comes, will he do more miraculous signs than this man? And the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. And Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. And then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you'll not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. But this, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And up until that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing these words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said he is the Christ. Still others asked, how can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. This is the last year of Jesus's life during this time. And it's during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And there are thousands upon thousands of Jews and others who are coming to celebrate that, that feast. And here comes Jesus. And so what happens is, is that Jesus begins to teach the word of God to these people. To the religious leaders, obviously. And all those that had already decided that they wanted to do away with him. And they were astonished and amazed because Jesus taught the word of God like no one they had ever heard before. Think about it. Here was the word of God teaching the word of God. So can you imagine the anointing upon what Jesus was teaching? How people were being convicted, obviously, because the word of God was speaking the word of God to these people who were, were skeptics and people who wanted to do away with him because obviously he was doing things they didn't like. He was beginning to kind of sort of break up their religious circle, as it may be said, certainly. And so they obviously, but they were listening. They were uh, amazed at how he would teach here. It talked about here the fact that they were saying, we want to kill you. Why? Because you healed a man on the Sabbath. 
And basically what he was saying was, well, and your law is that uh, every Jewish baby had to be circumcised on the eighth day. So we know that some of the circumcisions took place on the Sabbath. And obviously the Pharisees and all the religious leaders allowed this to happen. And uh, they, they sort of overlooked. It may be said that this uh, bypasses the law because obviously if you did some work on the Sabbath, it could be very, uh, you could be in real bad trouble. And so they were trying, they were coming and saying, we're going to kill this man because you healed a man. And he's talking about the man at the pool of Bethsaida and he healed that man and uh, yet on the Sabbath and yet they were trying to kill him. And so we see how the story is going. He is right there in the midst. If you think about it, it's, they believe it, it's a 14 acre uh, complex of ground there. So there were thousands of people that were packed in there. And Jesus is preaching the word of God. And so there are conditions that I believe that need to be met before you can know God. And these people had a hard heart. The Jewish leaders were there in their midst. Certainly they were the highly educated and the religious leaders, very respected by the community, certainly. That was the first group. The second group was a crowd of the residents of Jerusalem. They knew about the reputation of Jesus and so forth. And they were surprised that Jesus would even come in Jerusalem because the leaders said, we're going to kill you. And yet Jesus came right on in. He began to teach the word of God. And I'm going to share with you the reason for that. The third group, we believe, is certainly the Jews and, and the proselytes that were there. People were coming in from outside of Jerusalem. And they didn't know what was happening. So there was a mixture of people in that crowd in that 14 acre, acre area where Jesus was teaching. And again, how powerful that is. Wouldn't you like to sit at the feet of Jesus and let him teach you all day long? Wouldn't that be the greatest thing that could ever happen to you? You know, one day I believe that will happen. I believe that when we, we're in his presence, we, we're in heaven in his presence. I believe that the teaching will continue. I don't believe that we just all of a sudden stop learning and stop growing. I believe that will continue. But to sit at the feet of Jesus there and to be able to listen to him and to hear him teach and have an open heart to his what he's saying today is so powerful because it's life changing. And it happens all the time. People listening to the word of God who have a tender heart, who have who are teachable in their spirit, that they listen to the word of God. And so Jesus was coming right in and, and the people were mesmerized by their eloquence and the power of Jesus's mes message here. But yet they were still they were antagonistic. They didn't like him. He was coming in. And so to speak, he was upsetting their apple cart. The old expression is. And they just did not li like him and they wanted to do away with him. And so uh, in their, quote, religion and the rigidity of their religion, they were going to try to kill him and take him out. And so, obviously, they asked the question, as you see here, how did this man get such learning without studying? And I hear, obviously, obviously, the tone there when they're asking. They're asking in amazement, but also they're asking in resentment. They don't like him teaching like that. They know they're not as good a teacher as Jesus. And so they had jealousy there, certainly here. And he, they say, he didn't go through our schools. We, we didn't train him, and, and certainly we didn't ordain him. We can't control these things. And so obviously he was pressing in on their comfort zones. They were saying he's doing things here and we just don't like it. OK, if you read stories about revivals, a lot of times revivals are started. God uses a person or persons 
who was most unlikely that he would use to be able to, to start the flames of his Holy Spirit moving and people being revived and awakening to the reality that there is a God and that he loves them. And one such man, his name is Evan Roberts. I've spoken about him over the years because it's fascinating to hear the stories about uh, the, the Welsh revival because it was a very dark time in that particular area of, of the world and also throughout the world. And yet God began to pour his spirit out. And so he started with this man, Evan Roberts. He was 27 years old. He didn't have any degrees. He had, a, I always say he had a degree in prayer. He prayed and he was praying because he realized the need that the country needed, that God, people needed the Lord. And so what happened as a result of this revival called the Welsh Revival, actually all of that area there uh, in, in, in Wales and, and Scotland and all over in there, and then actually it jumped over to this country. The fire of God came into this country and people were awakened to the reality of the Lord. They got on fire for Jesus, fell in love with Jesus. And revival took place. But Evan Roberts didn't, ha he wasn't really highly degreed. He just w was somebody that was on his knees praying to the Lord that these things would happen, you see. And so it's very important. These people were saying, well, we didn't ordain him. He didn't study with us. We didn't train him and so forth. Many times, again, God will use people like you and me who are not highly trained who just want to know God and want to see Him move in our midst and move in this country and move in around this world. And God takes that and begins to light a flame in your heart and begins to do something that He can only do supernaturally. Amen. You see, that's what happens. Because many of us say, we're not qualified. I don't have a seminary degree and, and all these things. And, and all we, we don't have that. I've never been trained in that. Let me tell you today, God can use anybody. And if you offer yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm available for your use. Here he comes. You watch what happens. God will use you for his glory and for his honor. If he obviously you're sincere about that and you want to be used for the Lord, he will use you today. So I want to just say again, just uh, stop the thinking that there's no way will he use you simply because you're not educated or trained in that or whatever it may be. What it takes in the kingdom of God is a willing heart. A heart that's open to our God. And so I remember some time ago uh, that uh, when I, before I went to, I was looking at different schools because nothing wrong with seminary, certainly. I have a seminary degree, but nothing wrong with it. I felt God led me to do that. And I was looking to where I could go. And so I visited with a pastor in a large church here in Houston. I won't name the church. And uh, I was telling him what I was going to do. He was not an encouragement at all, bless his heart. He just wanted to sort of like, hey, you know, you got to do it my way, my friend. You got to do it this way and you got to do it that way. Nothing wrong to listening to people and nothing long wrong in being counseled by people, certainly here. But I knew what God had spoken to me. I felt certain, certainly he was not listening to me. He had an agenda already. And I told him where I felt I would go to school because it looked like God was leading me there. And uh, he he didn't particularly like that at all. He said, you need to do this and you need to do that and all. And I walked away from that meeting with him and saying, my goodness, uh, what, what happened here? It was not a, a meeting of encouragement and trying to and guiding me uh, what, I, what I felt like God was leading me to do. And that can happen in our lives. Why? It's the same way with the Pharisees here and religious leaders there. They were looking at Jesus. They didn't like him. He hadn't been trained by them. He wasn't following all their rules and regulations. And Jesus was walking out, sharing the word of God. 
And it's the same. I want to encourage each one of you seriously today is God will use you if you open your heart and say, I'm a willing vessel and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go wherever you tell me to go and I'll say whatever you tell me to say. You just pray that prayer and watch God use you in a powerful way. Obviously, uh, obviously a person here, they were encountering Jesus, but yet they obviously had uh, feelings of indifference and some of them were getting angry at him. In other words, they were being confronted by the son of God himself. And so many of them got angry, rejected what he was saying. And how can that be? I want to tell you, it's a hard heart. It's a heart that's been hardened. It's a heart that's already made up its mind that I'm not going to believe these sort of these things here because all I've seen religion is from religious fanatics and so forth. And I'm not going to believe this. And so I don't have an open mind. I don't have an open heart to what God wants to do in my life. And so obviously God is constantly trying to get our attention. And yet we're saying, I don't want anything of it. And this is what was happening with the people at this time here. And so there's some conditions here that really are important to knowing God. Last week we talked about the fact, and it was spoken of here, there were a few that really believed, but yet the majority of them did not believe. You know, we spoke here in Matthew 7 last week, enter through the, the, the narrow gate, for wide is the, the, the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Many people are going on the road to destruction. Many people are walking in the wrong path. Many people, because it's wide, because it's kind of easy street. It's a way to do it. Now, living the Christian life, obviously, we don't always just say, hey, well, this is just a hard life. It's a life and saying, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to do what you've called me to do. And I believe that's where I'll find life. The reason these people could not hear God is because they had made up their minds that they weren't going to do the will of God no matter what. And you know, that can happen to a church folk also. It can happen in my life. When I say, God, I'll do everything except for this, you know. We always think God is going to, if it's a call on our life, we're going to go to the dark parts of Africa. And that may not be what God calls us to do at all. But we've always thought that. Well, if I surrender my life to the Lord, then he's going to put me in some place that I'm really uncomfortable with and so forth. Our God knows exactly where to place me and exactly where to place you. And so these people were hardened to that. And so there's a couple things here, I believe, that are obstacles to really knowing God. First of all, is the wrong motives here. In, in verse 16, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. It flows out of my relationship with the Father. These people didn't have a relationship with the Father. And so they couldn't hear the voice of God. You know, when we obviously in one way or another, we just say, I'm not listening to God. I don't want to do what he has to say. Why should he speak to you? If you've already made up your mind that you're not going to do what he tells you to do. If you don't go back and do what he told you to do back here, you said, obviously, and pick up. He's not obviously in any way condemning you. He's just saying, why do I continue to talk to you if you're not going to do what I tell you to do? The Bible says in the book of Revelation, he who has an ear, ear, here's what the spirit is saying today. He who has an ear. Do you have an ear to hear the voice of God? If not, then there may be something in your life, an obstacle that is going on, that you said, I'll go this far with God, but I'm not going to give him my life. I'm not going to surrender my all to him because I don't know what he'll do then. You know, if that's the case, he stops talking. 
And you know, his, his, his words are life to me and to you. His voice is so tender and kind to me and to you. And to know that he's there, he's so intimate with us, but yet to shut him off, he just says, okay, have your way. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 says, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. Listen, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. I want that kind of ear, don't you? Like one being taught. I want an ear like one being taught. I want to walk in that. I want to hear God. I want to hear God when I first wake up, obviously. And I want to hear God when I lay my head down on, on the pillow. And I know he speaks in different ways through his word. We talked about it through circumstances. And he can speak through that still small voice that he can speak to. you. He can give you impressions on your spirit. And you go, this is God speaking to me. This is something he wants for each person here. You see, these people were so cold. They had obviously forgotten their source of wisdom in one way or another. They knew all their doctrine and they had read each other's commentaries, certainly. And obviously they they were educated parrots quoting one another, but out of touch with God. That is religion, folks. And that's sometimes the way we get. We move into religion and it's rigid and it's cold. And you see, I can keep up a a front for a short period of time. But when I get in that crucible of life and so forth, then something's going to come out if I don't know God. And so religion obviously doesn't work. And this is what was happening. They had their religion, but they didn't have their relationship. They want to hear God. They had missed what God was saying. So why don't they have that relationship with, with God? Why aren't they hearing from God there? Now listen here. This is key. Verse 17. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak my own word. You want to do the will of God? You'll hear God. If you said, I'm going to shut it down, you can only go this far, you probably God will say, okay, I've spoken enough to you. You've done your own thing. But if you want to be used by the Lord and you said, I want to hear you, Lord, and I'm willing to do your will no matter where it carries me, no matter what that it takes in my life, then obviously God will speak to you. But it takes that first. God knows. And so again, this is what was happening to these people. And so they went on and obviously they they obviously want to do their own thing uh, without obstruction. They They had their own plan. People today have their own plans. People obviously are saying, God, what do you want from me? What is it that you have for me? What path? Am I on the right path? Have you called me? And obviously I know you call me. I love you, Lord. And I want to do your will. Am I on the path that you want me to be on? You ever ask that question? You can ask him, talk to him about it. It's a relationship. But these people didn't have a relationship. They had their religion. They knew all the right thing. They tried to keep the rules and regulations. But you see, the Pharisees had so many rules and regulations and laws. They couldn't keep them. They broke them. They were trying to kill Jesus again for healing a man on the Sabbath. I mean, think about it. He'd gone to church there. And obviously that's where he gets healed. People were praying for him and so forth. But yet they had these rules and saying, we need to do that. We know work to be done on the Sabbath. And they took that literally and said, okay, you can't pray for anybody. You got to cease that. When Jesus is saying, no, obviously. All these things take place, can obviously supersede all of these rules and regulations that we have. The church in, in America today, many times there's rules and regulations. And God is saying, no, I came to set you free from those things. 
not to obviously just to do whatever you want to do. There are guidelines in that. But when we kind of hunker down in those rules and regulations, we get overboard and we, we were bound up and we can't we just can't move and stifled and we go, man, this is not life. And Jesus came to give us life and give us life more abundantly. So that's what they were doing at this time. They'd forgotten about all that stuff. Obviously, we are people, I believe, in this church that want to hear from the Lord. Amen. Everybody say amen to that. We are people who want to hear from the Lord. I want to be directed by the Lord. I want to do the will of the Lord. I want Lighthouse Fellowship to do exactly what God has for us in this time of history. I want to be a part of what God is doing today. Not a part of what my plans are, but what God's plans are for each and every one of us. And certainly a corporate body. I want to be a part of that. And so what Jesus says here is very important when he says it's the key to understanding. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he'll find it. Otherwise, uh, it's not going to happen. You remember here, God spoke to Abraham and Abraham obeyed and he set out on a journey. There were times when Abraham got discouraged. He's obviously the father of our faith. Remember, he faltered and he stumbled and fell. Obviously, God forgave him and so forth. But he got really discouraged. But remember, his main discouragement is the promise that God had given him. It was taking so long for it to come to pass. Remember, he got discouraged. And maybe God has given you a promise. Maybe one way or another, you just really uh, believe God has something for you. And you believe that and so forth. But you're discouraged because it's not coming to pass the way that you think it should. Or as fast as what you think it should. Or maybe there's a prayer you've been praying and you believe God... God hears prayer and God answers prayer, but that prayer is not being answered quite as fast as what you thought it would be. You know what God does when that happens? God encourages his children. God encouraged Abraham at this time. Hold on. God has not overlooked you. God has not left you. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's here with us today. He's here when you leave this place today. He's with you when you go home. He is for us, not against us, always for us. Sometimes we think, man, God's against me. No, he's not against us. He is for us all at all times. We need to realize that the devil will tell you, oh, man, you have really blown it this time. You have really stepped out too far here. You have blown it for the last time and you blew it last week. You blew it the week before. You blew it today. You might as well throw the chips in on your Christianity And God said, no, I love you. You are my child. And I want you to get back up and come to me. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you through this. God says, hold on. I'm an encourager. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he's called the God of all encouragement, which means also comfort, encouragement, the same word in the Greek. He says, hold on, keep going here. And Abraham wanted to follow God. And remember all that happened with Abraham. But what happened to King Saul? King Saul, obviously, uh, God spoke to him. But Saul never wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And so he wanted the blessings of a king. But he refused to obey the will of the king of kings. And what happened to Saul? He stopped hearing from God. Saul stopped hearing. And actually consulted a sorcerer there. Uh, uh, Which he consulted. He did that. He said, I'm not going to do it. A lot of people want the blessings of God. I don't believe I I don't believe I've ever met anybody that didn't want the blessings of God. And they'll talk about it today when you, you talk to them about it. They want the blessings of God. But if you talk to them about have you turned your life over to Jesus and and immediately that sort of shuts down the conversation. No, can't do that. I mean, what are you talking about here? I got a life to live. 
I've got plans that I want to keep. I don't know how much longer I have here. I've got plans that I've got to do. Let me tell you today, the best life you would ever have if you turn your life over to Jesus. Be an exciting journey. You know, a journey of faith and believing. And one day we'll see and we'll be rewarded as a result of that too. In verse 18, Jesus explains himself further. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth here. <clears throat> the question is, am I pursuing life with in mind just I want my glory? I just want, you know, I want what I want in a selfish way. I want my glory. Are we living for the glory of God? That's the question. You see, they wanted to go through life without anything impeding what they were doing to these people at that time. The people who were trying, adamantly opposing Jesus. And it's the same way today. Is you are you just living for yourself? You know, go for all the gusto is the expression, isn't it? And all, you know, whoever obviously can get the most toys before they leave, they win, right? And that's kind of the, the thoughts today. How much I can collect today on this side and do all those types of things. And the question is, am I living for myself? Or am I living for God? They didn't want to live for God. And that's why God stopped talking to them. You remember in Luke chapter 18, Jesus told the story of two men going on the temple to pray. And one was a Pharisee and one was a publican. Remember what happened? The Pharisee had a real high opinion of himself. But the publican came in. He came in with a deep sense of need. He humbled himself and said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Republican, the, the Pharisee basically looked and said, Lord, I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm much higher than they are. You see, that's really what it's all about. And that's how kind of racism starts. Because we believe that we're kind of better than everybody else, you see. And Jesus, God made us with the skin color that we have. God made us where we are. And that's why we're to love everybody. But we think, I'm better with them. And they may not, somebody may not be quite as educated as you are and so forth and, and all. And you think, I've got more education than they've got. I've done this and they haven't and so forth. Or more training or whatever it may be. But you see, somebody somebody always has more education than you do. And more training than you do. But what we do, we use it to sort of look at people and look down our noses at people. And Jesus is saying to humble yourself in His sight and He will exalt you in due season. Jesus is saying here, these people weren't humble. They wanted, They had the wrong motives. They didn't want to hear what God had to say here. And so obviously they had made a moral cho choice to leave independ live independently of God. And the same way with us, everything in life is a choice, isn't it? Big choices, small choices, some good, some bad, whatever it may be. They are choices. Let me just read this to you. You'll like this. Obviously, what makes a person sit in front of a TV for hours and hours? But they get weary with a 40 minute sermon. They get tired. You preaching, that preacher's talking too long. I don't, come on. You know what I've been told? People are saying, you just need to make, give a 20 minute clip here, Jim, and let us get in and get out. What is it? You see? Well, it might be boring. It might be boring preaching. Okay. But even boring preaching is a feast if I'm hungry enough. The issue is, we're not hungry enough, are we? I wish Jimmy Jim would cut this thing off this time. He's going long today. Let's cut it short, Jim. So if you went over this week, can you cut it back a little bit next week? 
Can we kind of tally up and do that? We need to be hungry, don't we? We need to hear the word of God, not stand up here just for length's sake, obviously. But the word of God is powerful. But the question is, we hungry? They didn't want to hear it. They were obviously didn't want to hear anything about it. Certainly here. Obviously, in John chapter 8, verses 43 through 44, I'll read that here. Why is my language not clear to you? This is Jesus speaking. Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. Obviously, that really riled him up when he said that. Because they thought that Abraham was his father, was their father. He said, no, your father's the devil. Because you have not humbled your heart and seen the Messiah right in front of you. Right in front of you. So what a wonderful blessing to be convicted of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever, ever think if you get the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you're convicted, don't ever turn away from it. Allow that conviction to come because God's got a plan and God can turn it around and he'll give you what you need if you'll just open your heart to him. He loves you. He loves us. We can't understand his love, folks. I want to tell you today. We cannot. We can't understand, obviously, the commitment that God has made towards you and to me and all who believe. But we do know he sent his only begotten son in the world, knowing that he would die on, on a cross, that he would be nailed to a tree. We know that much. We know that, obviously. And who would do that? That love is beyond what we can ever imagine. Obviously, the conviction that comes into my heart tells me God is my judge and I'm morally accountable to him. And all who will stand with you when you stand before the judge? I'm going to stand there with my advocate, though his name is Jesus, because he is my savior and he's my Lord. That's where I will stand before the judge. Because he's taken away my sin. He he exchanged my sin, my sins for his righteousness. And I've been made righteousness, righteous because of Jesus Christ. Have you? Do you know it? Are you tender to it? Are you hearing the voice of God? Or maybe something has sort of clogged it up, you know? Maybe something's come in and taken the place of listening here, obviously. There are some warped judgments they had also. Jesus moves the conversation specifically to Jews and they were accused and concerned about the Sabbath. They were going, we want to kill you, you see, because he healed a man. Can you, th- can you, can you think of anything more exciting than somebody that's been obviously either blind or maybe lame or whatever was going on with him and he was healed. I tell you, that is a time to celebrate. And these people were mad and angry and they wanted to kill him. But you see, it wasn't about breaking the Sabbath that they were going to kill him for. It's because they wanted to get rid of him. They didn't want to hear any more of it. There were some that received him. Some came to faith. But there were many going through that wide gate to destruction. And that's true for today also. Many people will not listen and not hear, you see. They said also, hey, you're a demon possessed, remember? Well, Jesus just completely ignored that stupid statement and went right on talking to him about it because he had a mission, you see. He was fulfilling what his father had told him to do. And he continued on. Let me tell you today, we need to give the warning. I don't know how close we are when Jesus comes back. But we always need to be ready. I think we can say amen to that. We need to be ready, don't we? It's not just preacher talk. It actually is true. Y'all heard me talk about here a couple weeks ago and, and the man standing on the young man standing on the street corner uh, preaching the gospel. 
He had his boom box there and he's walking up and down with a microphone telling people how Jesus had set him free, that he'd been on drugs, he'd been all this stuff, and God set him free and delivered him and he wanted everybody to know about it. And he was telling people, people riding by. I don't know how many people heard that 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 little preaching time that that young man had or whatever. I don't know know if it made any difference in anybody's life. But let me tell you today, I believe that it could and it will and it did. Amen. So we need to do that also. A little story here. Two pastors were fishing on the side of the road and they thoughtfully made a sign saying, the end is near. Turn yourself around now before it's too late and showed it to each passing car. And one driver that drove by didn't appreciate the sign and shouted at them, leave us alone, you religious nuts. And all of a sudden, they heard a big splash and they looked at each other and one pastor said to the other, you think we should have put a sign that says bridge out instead? <laughs> See, they are not listening. And the reality, they're going over the cliff, definitely, spiritually, in every which way. But they've already made wrong assumptions of what it was saying. You're just trying to warn them from going over into that lake, whatever. You see, that's where people are today. Certainly warped assumptions. They're blind people. They don't want to hear it. In verses 21 through 23, Jesus exposes the hypocrisy of those religious rulers. Jesus said to them, I did one miracle in the healing of the man at the pool of Bethsaida. And you're astonished yet because Moses gave you circumcision. Though actually it didn't come from Moses, but from the patriarchs. You circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? What he was saying was, you've made this thing in something that God never intended. A bunch of rules and regulations. The Pharisees, again, had so many laws that they couldn't keep them themselves. They stacked one law on the other and they tried to force people to adhere to these laws. And Jesus just said, come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your souls. Come to Jesus today. If you're weary today and you're worn out, maybe you were trying to work to gain God's acceptance. And he just says, I love you just like you are. I'm going to do with you something so magnificent. It'll be a miracle that you'll never, ever, ever fully understand. But you got to come to him. You got to give your heart to him. Obviously, what was happening here Religion sometimes, again, looks good. But it's so rigid that obviously it eventually breaks. I can't do this. The last thing is willful opposition. Willful opposition. Someone has well said, where there's no heart for the truth, there's always a heart against it. That's true, isn't it? Where there's no heart for the truth. Do you have a heart for the truth today? The word of God is the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. The people that are burning the cities down all over this country today, they're looking for truth. And again, they're doing it and they're looking in the wrong places because they're saying, basically, instead of coming to Jesus and giving their hearts and lives of them and receiving and, and knowing the truth, because the Bible says you'll know the truth and, and the truth will set you free. Instead of doing that, they go out and they wreak havoc. Why? It's because they're angry. They're mad. 
They feel life hasn't treated them correctly or whatever it may be. And they're going to make up for it. They're going to try to make changes there. But instead of coming to Jesus and Jesus changing us, they try to go out and change everything. And actually, it's not of God. And what you see today happening all around this country today and some of the ideology that we see happening and being propagated out there is not of God. Jesus came to set us free. Obviously, he's talking spiritually, but he came to give us freedom. And that freedom starts there with us and our spirit man. But that freedom comes forth through us emotionally and physically, and it permeates all that we come in contact with. Because people really want to be free, don't they? Certainly. Willful opposition, when you think about it here. People begin to talk about Jesus at this time. And, you know, Jesus is trying to obviously uh, keep up with them. But, you know, the bottom line is they're not teachable. Several weeks ago, I talked about the new wine and the new wineskins. That Jesus was pouring out new wine. And it takes new wineskins to receive that wine and that could mean a lot of different things but obviously he he came to obviously set us free so he's pouring out new wine he doesn't change he's the same yesterday today and tomorrow but he's pouring out new wine but we need new wine skins to hold that new wine don't we because the old wine skins and the way that we used to do it and so forth and the way we lived our lives it just won't hold the wine they're cracked and they're brittle and the wine pours through there we need wineskins. We need lives that are pliable, teachable. These people weren't teachable is what it was. And the question today for all of us, including myself, are you teachable? Are you willing to listen to God? Because if you're not teachable, why should God speak to us? Why won't he just go ahead and bypass us and go to somebody who's going to listen? Somebody there has a heart to listen. We don't want to hear it. You know, I've always used the scripture from Revelation where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open it, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. He's saying at the door of your heart today and saying, you want you want this freedom. You want this from me. You want this relationship here. It's very important to understand. And then the more important thing as we begin to wind down here is the fact, <clears throat> you know, they couldn't touch Jesus until his time. And you heard him say that all of y'all know scripture well enough. They couldn't touch him. Nothing was going to happen to Jesus. Until his time. You want to know some encouragement today? If you're on God's assignment. Then nothing can happen to you. Until God is finished with you. How many of you believe that? Okay. The devil's told you. You're going to go before your time. The devil's told you. That you again have blown it for the last time. And God's saying no. i got plans for you. I haven't given up on you. And I'll never give up on you. I'll never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. Remember Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8. He said he goes through this whole list of things and nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. But if you're on assignment for God, do you have a heart for the Lord today? The intent of your heart is, is to follow hard after Jesus and know Him. And you know, obviously, you've blown it many times. I've blown it many times. And I've come up short many times. But the intent of my heart is to follow after Him, to be more like Jesus today. Nothing can take you from that assignment. Amen. That's our God. That's the encouragement in the Word of God. You go, I don't know all this stuff. Neither do I. Because you say, I I'm not trained as you are. Well, I'm not trained as well as some of the other people too. 
But I'm his child and so are you. If you're a believer and you're here today and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And no one, no one can pluck you out of his hand. No one. The devil can't take you out. Nothing can take you out. Paul said, neither death nor life, neither principalities or powers, neither angels, neither demons, no one, nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is good news, folks. And you know, Jesus' time, when our time is up, then we go home. Isn't that good news? When our time is up, when we finish, but until then, we'll work. And until we see, obviously, because the day is coming. And we need to encourage one another, don't we? As the Bible says. But we need to work as we see the day approaching. And it's approaching. I don't know. There's a lot of prophetic stuff going on out there that I, I like to listen to. And they're all different. You know, I try to listen to those that I really feel like uh, know what the word is saying and so forth and all. And there are a lot of things being spoken today. When you see this darkness taking place, are we getting close to the end? I mean, you know. I don't know, but we could be. It could be as we see this happening. You said, you know, uh, the Bible says in the end times that there'll be lovers. People will be lovers of themselves and uh, they'll hate their parents and all these types of things going on today. That they'll there'll be uh, tumult, chaos, anarchy. They'll they'll hate. There'll be a hatred that you've never thought before. I listened to some statements on the on the TV today. And I want to tell you, it is a bitter hatred like I've not heard in my lifetime. Very well could be. In Psalm 91, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. He protects us. He does that. Wrong motives, wrong uh, warped assumptions, and willful opposition are obstacles to knowing God. But I can tell you how to know God. Open your heart. Just open your heart to Him. It's not hard, is it? It's not a some type of formula. It's actually just opening your heart and saying, Lord, I want to know you and I want to walk with you. And the bent of my heart is I know I've stumbled and fallen. I know I've blown my life and I do it and I've done all this stuff. But the bent of my heart is to know you and to walk with you and to love you with all my heart, mind, soul and strength and to love my neighbors myself. If that's the intent of your heart, then God will take you where you are today. You may not be highly educated, you know. What good is education? What are we going to do when we stand before the Lord? Take our sheepskins and hold it up before him and say, Lord, look what I've done. Uh -uh. You're going to stand there and be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. That covers us. He sees us just like he sees Jesus because it's Jesus righteousness that he imputes to us. And we have that if you're born again. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your word, your truth, your presence. We thank you for what you're doing in our individual lives. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the churches today, including this church, Lighthouse Fellowship. Father, today, if there be someone 
who's listened to this message here in this congregation or listening by live stream has never really surrendered their life to Jesus. Maybe you've you've put it off. Maybe you've considered it. I want to encourage you, don't, don't wait. Don't wait. If you feel some tugging at your heart this day, I just want to pray with you today that you'll know that you know when you take your last breath that you go immediately into God's presence and you're forgiven today. So you can pray this prayer with me. Uh, Lord Jesus, I know that you died for me. I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that you're God's son. And I believe that you died for my sins so that I would not carry them. And right now, I surrender my life to you and ask you to come into my heart and to save me. To be my Lord, my Savior, my Master. Come in, Lord Jesus. And we ask, and today, just asking that I want to live for you. I want to get in a church when, when things open up or you can come here at Lighthouse Fellowship and 925 3rd Street, League City. You can come, share with us, call us. We'll pray for you. Whatever the issue may be, we just right now want to encourage you to follow as God tugs at your heartstrings to receive what He has for you. Time could be short. We don't know. But we always need to be prepared. We don't want to wait because sometimes our hearts get so hard and we say no, 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 no that we somehow don't hear that faint knocking of the Holy Spirit on our heart doors. Right now, ask Him to come in your life. We thank You and praise You. So Father, all those that may have, have responded in this way, we just ask You to seal upon their hearts the truth and the Word of God because we want to know truth. We want to do Your will and we want to follow Jesus. So Father, help us, heal us, strengthen us, deliver us, and dear God, just place in our hearts a hunger and thirst for righteousness that we can come together in Jesus' name. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. We want to thank you for being with us today. It's been a good time in the Lord and sharing the word of God. Get into the word. Get into a church. We know they're opening back up again. And I pray that God would uh, cover you in the blood of Jesus. Protect you from all this stuff going on around. Not just the COVID. There are lots of other things that can happen beyond that. So we just pray for you. Bless you today. Have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless. Amen.